It's time to head back to the Wizarding World and Fantastic Crimes, The Secrets of Grindledore, and I've got my review right here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my review of Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Yes, I know the name of the movie. We're just having a little bit of fun here. Lots to get to talking about this movie. This is going to be a non-spoiler review, unless you consider any information about the movie whatsoever to be a spoiler. I may do a spoiler review this weekend because there is quite a bit to dig deep into with this movie. Before we get into the review, though, I just wanted to make a big announcement, which is that my podcast, All My Movies, is back. The first new episode was published yesterday. I'm doing it as an audio podcast, so you can check it out on my audio podcast feed. All of those links are down there in the description. But for this episode and maybe for future episodes, I also uploaded a waveform file to YouTube. So because you're super special and you're watching this review in the morning, you can click right up there in the corner to get the latest episode. It's about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. It is a feature-length episode. It ended up coming in around 85 minutes. Not my intention, but that's just how things shook out. I'll probably push it live later this afternoon, but why not go ahead and get a sneak preview? Thanks for watching. But let's talk about this Wizarding World film. As I mentioned, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, the third film in the Fantastic Beasts series, and David Yates is back to direct. This is his seventh Wizarding World film in the past 15 years. He's directed only one movie since 2007 that was not in the Wizarding universe. And if you follow my reviews from my Screen Junkies days, you'll know that I haven't been the biggest fan of the Fantastic Beasts series. I liked the first movie, and I was not a huge fan of the second movie, and a lot of it is owing to the fact that it seemed like kind of a bait-and-switch. A lot of people may not remember this, but when the series was originally announced back in 2013, this is what J.K. Rowling said about the Fantastic Beasts movies. Quote, Although it will be set in the worldwide community of witches and wizards, where I was so happy for 17 years, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is neither a prequel nor a sequel to the Harry Potter series. Well, this is firmly a prequel series of films to the Harry Potter movies, and while Eddie Redmayne as Newt Scamander is still a featured character, this really is much more about Albus Dumbledore and Gellert Grindelwald and the build-up to their epic duel. I actually re-watched the first two Fantastic Beasts movies to prepare for this one, and it really is startling, especially when you compare this movie to the first movie, just how much the series has changed. I mean, yeah, you still get to see some Fantastic Beasts here and there, but Newt is now basically a co-lead along with Dumbledore and Grindelwald, and characters that were formerly lead characters now fade into the ensemble. Dan Fogler's Jacob Kowalski is along for the ride as always, but doesn't really have much to do in this movie besides pine for his former fiancée Queenie, played by Alison Sudol, who joined the evil wizard Grindelwald's side in the last movie. Catherine Waterston's Tina Goldstein, Newt's love interest and arguably the second lead of the first Fantastic Beasts film, is a fleeting presence for paper-thin reasons on screen and much-debated reasons off-screen. Some have speculated that this could be retaliation for Catherine Waterston's outspoken opposition to co-writer J.K. Rowling's real-world views. I I'm not really going to go that far. All I will say is that the absence of her character in this movie is definitely conspicuous, and I certainly hope that every 
everything is okay off screen and that we will see her return to the franchise in the future. Jude Law returns as Albus Dumbledore, who is now matching wits with a third consecutive Grindelwald, who has transformed from Johnny Depp, who transformed from Colin Farrell. Depp, of course, resigned from the series at Warner Brothers' request amid a still ongoing legal case, and Grindelwald is now played by Mass Mikkelsen. Yes, I looked up the pronunciation, and that's as close as I think I'm going to get to it. And even though this movie takes place in a world of transfiguration and polyjuice potions, there is no explanation given as to why Grindelwald looks so much different. Ezra Miller, another member of the cast facing some real-life controversy, returns as Credence, a young repressed wizard whom Grindelwald revealed to be Dumbledore's long-lost brother at the conclusion of the last movie. Of course, there's been a ton of speculation over the last few years about this revelation, how it fits into established Wizarding World lore, and what the ramifications of it are going to be on this film series. I wouldn't dream of giving anything away, but I will say that some of what we learn in this movie is intriguing, and some of it makes this franchise feel even more made up as it goes. Overall, I think The Secrets of Dumbledore is another disjointed entry in this film series. It is both a sequel to the last Fantastic Beasts film that we saw, but also a sequel to an unmade, better version of the last movie, where we're building on character beats that never happened and paying off character moments that we've never seen. It also feels like Warner Brothers was kind of hedging their bets. I mean, they're going through their own transformation right now into a completely different company, but it seems like there was a directive from someone that said, hey, can you make a Fantastic Beast movie that's a continuation, but also maybe could be the last one? Like, could you write a script that could support two more movies and also maybe none? You'll notice I credited J.K. Rowling as a co-writer earlier, and that's because she shares screenplay credit on this movie with Steve Clovis, who wrote all of the original Harry Potter films. This is actually his first screenplay in a decade. And sitting through the end credits, I noticed something interesting, which is that the writing credit went to J.K. Rowling and Steve Clovis, but then it said, based on a screenplay by J.K. Rowling. Now, the previous film, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, said that the movie was based on characters by J.K. Rowling. So to me, by saying that this movie was written by J.K. Rowling and Steve Clovis, based on a screenplay by J.K. Rowling, I mean, call me crazy, but it seems like J.K. Rowling wrote a screenplay and then somebody called up Steve Clovis and said, you know, I think this might need a little bit of work. It's the first time that I can think of as a movie fan that I've been sitting through the credits of a movie and seeing a screenplay for a movie based off of a screenplay for the same movie. And honestly, the movie kind of feels like it is two different screenplays because The Secrets of Dumbledore is able to capture both the worst of the previous Fantastic Beasts movies and the best of some of the previous Harry Potter movies. Some scenes do what I found a lot of scenes in The Crimes of Grindelwald did, which is to have massive events that happen just because, feature confusing plot twists that come out of nowhere, and take characters to narrative dead ends. The Secrets of Dumbledore also continues the Wizarding World's inexorable turn towards the dreary. And listen, I think that David Yates' aesthetic worked really well when he was brought into the Harry Potter franchise at the point he took over. It was right for a series that was taking a darker turn, but it's now starting to feel as if there was never really any joy in this Wizarding World universe. Even the fantastic beasts that you see in this movie pretty much exist not to be admired, but to be exploited and murdered. Seriously, I was worried about every single one of them by the end of this movie. 
Some of the beats in this movie are almost laughably grim. It's like somebody behind the scenes was taking bets over just how much joy people could possibly hold on to from the origins of this franchise and how quickly they could extinguish it. And I don't mind dark movies, but dark is a tone, not an identity, and it feels like the Wizarding World is using dark as an identity. The Harry Potter films greatly benefited from bringing in change-up pictures. You went from Columbus to Quaron to Newell to Yates, and it's probably way too late in this franchise, the Fantastic Beasts franchise, to do the same thing, but I think it's going to be to the franchise's detriment. But amidst all the disappointing writing and overbearing gloom, we're also treated to scenes that achieve the full potential of these movies. When Newt Scamander is actually allowed to be the magizoologist that the series originally promised, as he is in an extended adventure to rescue his brother, Eddie Redmayne is also allowed to be fully weird and also hilarious. There's also a lot to love with the legacy characters, particularly Dumbledore, and I kind of wish that I had a time-turner because I think it would have been a great idea to go back in time and actually make these movies about Dumbledore and Grindelwald from the very beginning. I mean, they pretty much are already, but you could go even further into Dumbledore's past with Grindelwald, which in this movie is explored in the most meaningful way yet, although my hope is still high that maybe one day Warner Brothers will have the courage to tell us how much Dumbledore and Grindelwald really liked each other instead of parsing it out in easy-to-cut-for-Chinese censors snippets. There was one scene in particular in this film involving Dumbledore that actually gave me like a lump in my throat because it was just so well-written, so well-staged, so well shot so well acted by Jude Law and watching that scene I was thinking this is what these movies should be about at this point it feels like Newt Scamander and all of the characters that we met back in 2016 are included out of obligation they're a sideshow attraction to what obviously is meant to be the main event and setting aside the reasons for Johnny Depp's departure because there's a whole other conversation to be had about that I will say that Mass Mickelson is a really compelling Grindelwald Grindelwald in this movie is on a charm offensive that I don't quite know if Johnny Depp's version of the character could pull off, and that's not a slam on Depp, it's more about the inconsistent depiction of the character so far. But I have to say I was a lot more interested in this movie's version of Grindelwald, who seeks to manipulate the entire known wizarding world through deception, trickery, and a little bit of seduction. It's a combination that I think Mickelson wields effectively, and despite the fact that he has never shared the screen with Jude Law's Dumbledore, I bought into the history history between these two more than I have in any of the previous films. In front of the camera, Dan Fogler continues to be a hero of these films. Jacob Kowalski has been a delight from the very start, and here Fogler again is able to break through the drudgery of this movie when he's able to and bring a spark of joy, as does Jessica Williams as Lally Hicks, a charms professor who joins Newt's gang. She had an incredibly brief appearance in the last film, but plays a thoroughly modern witch and breathes some real life into her scenes. And I have to say that whatever movie Lally and Jacob's characters belong in, and it's almost certainly not this one, that's the movie that I want to watch. That is the Fantastic Beasts franchise film that I want to see. The kind that brings the fun that we see with the best of Newt Scamander in here, with what Dan Fogler and Jessica Williams do with their roles. In some pocket universe, those are the movies that we're getting, and I think that those are the movies that would be much more well-received. Sadly, these high points couldn't fully redeem the movie for me. It only underscored its shortcomings. The things The Secrets of Dumbledore does right are able to keep it out of the cellar in which I regard the last film. But this movie really is the textbook definition of, eh, 
for me. It's neither outstanding enough to be memorable in a good way or incompetent enough to be memorable in a bad way. If mediocrity is a sin, then The Secrets of Dumbledore has a lot to atone for. I'm also beginning to wonder if this series is just cursed. Like, are the Fantastic Beasts movies the portrait of Dorian Gray for the Wizarding World, where basically they're paying for the great luck of the Harry Potter franchise where everything pretty much went right by having almost everything go wrong with these movies? And there are allegedly two more Fantastic Beasts movies on the way, although I think that the box office returns for this film are going to have a lot to say about that, because if this movie is a box office disappointment in the way that The Crimes of Grindelwald was thought to be, or even worse, then I think the Fantastic Beasts franchise is going to need more luck than you can find even in a Felix Felicis potion to hit their intended target. So this is a very mixed review for me. Honestly, the negatives are just outweighing the positives, but I can also see a lot of Wizarding World fans embracing the things that are good about this movie, and there are several things that are good and enjoying The Secrets of Dumbledore, even if it's not on the same level as any of the Harry Potter films. But what do you think? Are you excited about this? Are you over The Wizarding World? Or are you going in with an open mind to see if this franchise can win you back over? Let me know down in the comments below. Don't forget that you can check out all my movies about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. There's also a link down in the description below, along with all the information about my podcast channel. I'll be back very soon with more news, reviews, and box office analysis. And as always, thanks for watching. Bye.